Hey, what's up everyone? John Lee here, also known as The Property Shark, and welcome back to another episode of the On The Rise podcast. Today, our guest is Brian Casella, and for all you new realtors out there, you've definitely come across a lot of his amazing YouTube videos. Uh, we're going to dive into his journey of how he transitioned from a pro athlete um, and he suffered an injury, uh, which then led him to real estate and how he was one of the pioneers that that really started putting out content consistently on YouTube. Um, and most importantly, how he's been able to really establish himself as a top agent in an ultra competitive market in California. So we're going to talk about all of that today. Can't wait for you guys to listen to this and let's get right into it. Hey Brian, how's it going? John, what's going on, man? I'm always uh, in support of the people who are hustling and taking action. So I'm, uh, I'm all up for this and ready to go. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Brian. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for being uh, part of On The Rise Podcast. And, you know, Brian, as, as a young realtor, I got to say, you know, come across many of your videos, numerous ones on door knocking, on you making live cold calls and, and just getting so much value from you and really allow me to, to take action from the very start. Um, and been able to to really help me focus and dial on 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 the tasks I need to do at hand and 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 grow my business that way. So, um, really really excited to have you on, Brian. And before we dive into kind of the nitty gritty stuff, um, for people that don't know Brian, do you want to give them a quick introduction? Yeah, man, sure. Appreciate that. And and that's been the goal from the beginning, man. Just giving people simple stuff to get started because. You know, I'll be 34 in about two months and I got into the real estate business at age, man, 20, 27, I believe, officially. Uh, I was in the business 27 and change, uh, come from a basketball background. I had a lot of injuries through the you know, beginning of my pro professional career and it cut my career short. So by age, you know, 24, I stopped playing basketball and it devastated me for a little bit. And after playing the victim for a little bit, I said, okay, I need to get my life together. And that's when I kind of started stumbling across real estate, uh, decided to go all in. And when I got my license, it took a while because I took the traditional courses at the real estate office. So it took way too long. I should have done it online. But back then, you know, I'm starting the licensing in 2012. I don't know if it was like it is now where you can just do it instantly online super fast. Um, you know, I, I saw that I was dealing with a lot of stuff, uh, negative stuff, right? People doubting me, uh, me obviously not knowing anything, not having any sales background, no corporate background, no retail background. So getting into real estate and running my own business um, was a little scary. I was committed. And as I got my license, I got into the business. Um, I just took a very simplified approach. And that's kind of what I started putting out on video. I saw the power of video very early on. And I knew that there would be a crowd between 18 to you know almost the age that I'm at now who would be wanting to find it. Because when I started doing video, 2013 and 14, nobody was doing it. Right, YouTube now is completely morphed and has a million people now making content in every little category. But back then, if you searched real estate or cold calls, there wasn't much. And I was looking for help, didn't find it, and kind of thought, hey, 
I can build my business, but I can also start doing video because I know other people are going to have these questions too. And it just evolved from there. It started as vlogging and kind of telling everybody what I was doing into now where it's this huge platform and you know I'm doing speaking gigs and a bunch of other stuff. But I saw what we're experiencing now with video. I saw it back then because the, the, the moment it clicked for me, man, was when I started sending my clients and prospects video and I saw how they were responding. I said, okay, we have something here because I can call. They, they don't pick up sometimes. I can leave a voicemail. They won't call me back. But if I send a video, they watch it and they respond. So obviously there's something powerful here. And that's when it really just lit the light bulb. And I started really going all in with, with the video marketing. That, that's powerful. Wow. And I definitely, I want to talk more about that as well. Um, but just to take it back to kind of when you first started, um, in terms of like your game plan on what to do as a real estate agent, like yourself, when you first got started, you didn't have a lot of resources around you. How did you find door knocking? How did you find cold calling? Um, and why did you pick those avenues to prospect? Well, uh, you know, in the beginning, um, I, I think one of the issues that people have now is they have too many options, right? Um, I didn't have help. Now it's different. Now, I mean, I know brokerages, a lot of them that use my YouTube as their platform to train their agents, which is kind of crazy. So that tells me there's something missing in the industry if my free YouTube videos are training for actual brokerages, right? That's crazy. When I first heard that, I almost was in disbelief thinking, no way. And you know, so think back then when I started, there was really no help. You know, a lot of people want to get a mentor right when they start. And it's almost like, well, I don't want to start unless I get a mentor. I'm like, dude, I was lucky to get five or 10 minutes of my mentor's time once a week. So I think the first thing people need to understand is you have to be willing to go out there and in quotes, be by yourself because you learn so much in this industry from experience. And I took the simplified approach at the start of just going door to door and cold calling because I had a lot of time and no money right? Which is what a lot of people are experiencing when they get into the business. They're, they're younger normally, or they're coming out of a different career. They're hungry, but they don't have 10 years of savings or someone to fund them getting all these, you know, softwares and platforms and marketing uh, avenues. They have to start with what they have. And that's why I took it. And not only that, I notice still to this day, a lot of people do not want to embrace the hard work of earning skills, right? The, the ability to communicate on a high level, be good at video marketing or anything that involves communication is going to take a lot of time and effort to get good at. And I think a lot of people run away from cold calling and door knocking because they're afraid to confront that. They're afraid to confront their own insecurities. They're uh, afraid to, uh, you know, roll the dice and gamble, which you're going to be doing in real estate anyway. And there's just, there's so many excuses around that. So when you do the simplified approach, like I did, it teaches you so much. It improves your communication. It builds thick skin, which you absolutely need in this business. And it really, um, will create a sort of momentum that I believe is very difficult to achieve any other way, you know, because there's something to be said that's maybe intangible when you work so hard for something and you build that momentum. You know, if you're cold calling and door knocking for a year, two years, three years, your business is rolling, you've built your database, and now you have some momentum going, you have more confidence. It starts checking off all those boxes that a lot of agents want to check off by doing that hard work and being dedicated. And I just think that's irreplaceable, man. That's why anybody who comes onto my team, anybody who I talk to who's wanting to get in the business, I say, hey, you have to start out that way because that's how you earn your stripes in this business. And I still think to this day, man, a lot of people want to run away from it. And, and that's what causes a lot of problems in my opinion. That, that's powerful. And back, back, to, back, back in those days, right, in terms of how many 
hours just to give people a breakdown of how much you were actually prospecting. <laughs> how many hours were you putting into making cold calls? How many hours were you knocking on doors? How, what did your day look like? A lot, man. You know, I was all over the place back then because I didn't obviously have the skill set that I have now. You know, the market had just started kind of recovering from the 08 crash. You know, they started seeing changes, they said, in 2011 and 12. And I got in right then, right after that, a year later. So, you know, I was doing at least four or five hours a day, man, six or seven days a week of just, you know, going door to door and calling. And I would just alternate. I would do two or three hours of one and then two or three hours of the other one. And, you know, I, I would put in all the expireds and for sale by owners. I would do all that, right? Work my sphere of influence. But there was just a lot of hustle. I also was role playing two hours a day, practicing with people. And when I say that, a lot of people look at me funny. Like, why would you role play two hours a day? And I said, well, I'm role playing more than the average person prospects, right? If you look at any person who performs at a high level, an athlete, as an example, they practice a million more times than they actually perform. They practice for those moments. And for many of us who are on the phone or going door to door, that's your moment, right? Saying the right thing, being prepared is a difference between getting that deal that makes you 15, 20, $30,000 or walking away with nothing. So I want to be prepared for those moments. And with that high level and amount of prospecting, plus the role play, you really build the skill set quickly, man. Within a couple months, I wasn't the best, but I'd already built up self-confidence. So I was okay going up against other agents. I didn't care how old I was. I didn't care how inexperienced I was. All of that became secondary, man. And that transformation comes from the inside. But it always goes back to what I said. We have to put in a lot of work and work on those skills because that pays off in the long run. It always pays off. But people maybe will watch one of my videos and say, man, they don't see six years ago. They see now. And it, it just requires a lot of patience and a dedication, man. Because if you want to get good at anything, it's going to take time. Who do you know who's an expert at top of their field in anything who did it overnight or in six months or a year? Nobody. Nobody. Anyone who I know who I've studied, and especially in regards of communication or being in sales, they all have decades of experience. So why do we suddenly in six months or a year want to be number one when we know that's not going to happen? So I tell people, put your seatbelt on and dedicate yourself, man, because it's simple at the end of the day. It just requires you to show up every day, right? And I think especially now with video and what's out, man, people think there's going to be some special formula to make you successful in real estate or any business. And that's just not the case. And that's why people fall prey to those magic courses of becoming a millionaire in a week. And then they spend their money and then they get upset where, where I'm also labeled a bad guy sometimes because I tell people to work hard and I'm very blunt with people and just honest and say, Hey, you just, you don't have the skills. You got to work on your skills. And I think, we can never get away from that, you know, and as technology advances, I'm seeing us more pulled away from it because everybody, as an example, wants to text instead of call. So that skill set, in my opinion, man, is being lost and it's a shame. Wow. Wow. So even till this day, you still believe in, in the power of building the foundation, simplifying things, not getting overly distracted with technology, but focusing on, on working on your craft and honing your skills and you, the core of it is like you mentioned multiple times, communicating with people, door knocking, co-calling, but more importantly, the role play part of it. So in terms of role playing, like how would you go about approaching that? The role play, because people are like, well, what do I practice? <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you role play for two hours? Cause I mean, if you're at the door, 
I mean, there's only so many scripts, I guess, you can run through at the door, and that would maybe take five minutes. So how do you diligently approach role play? I just kept it simple, man. You know, I think nowadays, too, people want to overcomplicate stuff. Um, you know, nowadays, how many groups are there on Facebook? You know, how many YouTube channels are people subscribed to? How many Instagram uh, followers do people have? Or how many people are they following? You know, it's infinitely easier now, I believe, if you go to an event or you do anything online to find people who are like-minded and want to role play. And that's all I did in the beginning. Uh, right when I got my license, um, I signed up. Actually, this is before I got my license. I went to one of the Mike Ferry events in Las Vegas and I made it a, a thing. I said, look, I want to leave this place with at least five role play partners. So if you've never been to a Mike Ferry event, because uh, I know he's old school and maybe the younger generation doesn't like him much, the whole front section of his uh, events, so like the first 20 seats and rows were always for the top producers and they were reserved seating. So I said, okay, every break or every lunch, I need to approach these people, introduce myself, start talking to them and see if they're open to role-playing with me. And I always say this, man, I must have approached 100, 150 people and no more than a handful. I think like three or four told me yes out of 100 people that I asked. But my mindset was, I'm, a lot of them are gonna tell me no because I'm new. They should tell me no, but I know there's gonna be one, two or three that are gonna say yes. So I got three or four like that and then the other ones, I either use people uh, from my office or that I met locally at, at some real estate events or sales events. So I had three or four from the, uh, the event and then one or two locally. And that's how I did it, man. And I would just rotate. I would uh, role play with one in the morning and then one in the afternoon. And we would do 30, 45 minutes at a time. And then if I ever could have somebody locally, like a friend or someone else that I met, we would get together and we would role play or we'd be on the phone and we'd role play for you know, 30 minutes or an hour. Um, and I wanted to find really good people. So after a while, man, after a couple of weeks, even the top producers are like, man, like you're getting really good, like fast, but I was obsessed with it. And on top of that, every morning and every night, I was reading the scripts and memorizing them and reciting them to myself, right? I recorded at that time, I still had a, a car with the CD player, right? So I recorded on a CD, I burned a CD with me saying all the scripts and I put it in there and I would listen to it on loop over and over and over and over. So by the time I got in front of a client at a presentation or at the door or on the phone, I'm not even thinking anymore about what I have to say. It's just automatic. You see, but everything I just described, man, I, don't, I haven't met anybody else with that level of effort that I just told you, right? And then those same people will message me and say, hey, man, I'm not getting the result. What's the magic script? There is no magic script. Whatever you pick, pick it, but master it. Because when you do, then you can unlock the next level. But nobody wants to master anything, man. They want to go to the next fastest, quickest, easiest thing. So what helped me was I'm not going to think easy. I'm going to think complete. I need to complete everything. I need to have a complete system. I need to have a complete script book. I need to have a complete training regimen. I need to have a complete schedule. And when you start thinking that way, it becomes very easy for you to know what to do and when to do it. Right. So, so I like how you mentioned that. So there is no, I was going to ask you about having a script, but you're, you, you, you just said have a script in place, stick to it and then just master it. Um, through re re repeating it over and over again and, and making sure that you know exactly what to say. Yeah, and worry about it later, right? I mean, we can sit there and nitpick and say, oh, well, the language in this one isn't as good, but that's later. I would tell people, first, whatever you're going to say, just know what you're going to say because you can't unlock the next level of being there in the moment and listening to somebody if you're still in your head saying, well, what do I say next? What do I say next? And I've been there, right? When I first door knocked, I had my freaking script with me and a backpack on because I had no idea what I was doing. Right? I put my little flyers in a backpack and 
I didn't realize it until later. I'm like, dude, I'm a realtor with a freaking backpack on, door knocking. Like, how dumb do I look? I, I look new. And I would tell people, hey, I brought some questions. Is it okay if I ask? You don't do that when you door knock. But it still worked because I was just very sincere. Now, later on, I realized very quickly, hey, I just need to memorize the script because then it's more natural. But then you can worry about what to add, what to subtract. But everybody, I think, is backwards. They want to look at like the script that you give, that I give, that the next guy gives. And they want to try to nitpick from it and say, oh, I don't like this one. I like that one. Dude, just pick one, master it, then worry about changes later. Because I think that first step is key, man. And so many people overlook that or they, they want to nitpick it. And I ask them when I get those questions, how many doors have you knocked on? And in many cases, man, they tell me they still haven't door knocked. And I'm like, then why are you even worried about it if you're not even door knocking, dude? Like, why do you care? Oh, I'm preparing. You've been preparing for six months. Like, what are you doing? So it, it, it doesn't surprise me anymore, man. Got it. Got it. Wow. That's, that's powerful. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of resources out there that, that you can just pick a lot of scripts out there for you to pick and choose from. But like you said, stick with one, roll with it and see what you can make of it. Um, and in terms of prospecting right now, like what are your current prospecting avenues? Is it still door knocking? Do you still preach that cold calling? We still do that, man. Yeah. I mean, right now, because of the whole, uh, you know, Corona situation, uh, we're not, we're not really allowed to door knock. So if we have, it's been very limited and in only certain scenarios, we've still been hitting the phones a lot, which we do daily. Obviously my sphere of influence has grown tremendously uh, since the beginning. So we're working that as well. We still go after expires. We still go after some for sale by owners. Um, we do a lot of absentee owners, which are people who own investment properties. Uh, and we call on their properties. It's not their principal residence. That's a huge lead source for us. Um, agent to agent referral is huge for me now because of what I've built online, obviously. Um, we do some online marketing. We do a little bit of Facebook, a little bit of Instagram, uh, but the majority of that, probably 80% of it is organic. So uh, it, it's evolved, but those core basics of like door knocking and cold calling and like an open house are still there, are for sure. So that's always going to be our foundation then until maybe we get to the point where we get so many referrals. If we want, you know, we can let off that other stuff. But the, the reason I, I like keeping that in place is that allows you to keep growing, right? I can keep feeding my database. I can create new relationships. I can find new investors. I can always get new opportunities like, you know, new development, new construction by cold calling and door knocking. And I always have, right? And I've met some great people that I've collaborated with agent to agent referral wise or relationships for high ticket clients, developers and that kind of stuff. I've met a lot of people that way from door knocking and cold calling. Hell, one of my old clients, I golf with him every once in a while. How did I meet him? Door knocking. So to me, it's one of those fountains that keeps giving you value. And once you get really good at it, it actually becomes kind of fun versus it feeling like, oh, I got a cold call. Oh, I got a door knock. So I just think it's one of those limitless types of things, man, that the benefits will always keep reaping as long as you keep working it. And then it would come down to the individual on what level of business they want to decide to not have to do it anymore. Cause there is a point where you don't have to do it anymore. It just becomes a choice. But many of us, I believe still do it because we actually enjoy it and we know the benefits of it. Wow. And when you were first starting out door knocking, I mean, there's so many neighborhoods that, that you can pick and choose from, right? How did you, decide like where should I go door knock did you have a system to track that did you just hit up the neighborhood that you lived in like how did you approach that aspect of it 
Yeah, good question, man. Um, I started where my question was, okay, where do I want to see myself selling properties? And that's where I went. So uh, one of the original cities that uh, I would hang out with, with a lot of friends, good price point here in uh, Southern California. That's where I started. Hacienda Heights is the name of the city. And I just started there, man. I just started there. I'm actually going to do a video soon on my YouTube where I go and visit the first door that I ever knocked on because I still remember. And I might even knock on it live just to see if the, the owner is there, right? Um, but that, that's how it was. I didn't want to present so many scenarios. I said, look, I'm going to start. And as I do it, then at night, when I go back home to the back cave, I can strategize a little bit more on, on how I want to refine it or if I want to start doing something else. But the question that I think people should ask is, where do I want to sell? Go door knock there, right? Because then it's different when you go there. You want to sell there. So it's going to be easier for you to door knock, even if you're scared, because you want to sell there and you know you're going to have to do something. So from there, you can develop it. But that first initial you know, uh, boost, and I still do it to this day, it's where do I want to sell? I'm going to go door knock there. Where do I want to sell? I'm going to call there. That's where I'm going to put my attention and my time and my effort. Wow, that's powerful. And just when you were starting off, what was your pitch to people door knocking? Very basic uh, script. Hey, my name is Brian. I'm with Century 21. You're the owner. Yes. Great. Well, hey, I'm coming to the neighborhood because I live in this neighborhood. I know this neighborhood. And I'm looking to see if you guys have considered uh, selling your home now or in the near future. No, great. How long have you lived here? Awesome. What brought you to this area? Great. Well, if you were to move, where would you go next? That basic, dude. Very basic. Um, that, I think that's the basic just listed, just sold Mike Ferry script. And I just tweaked it because I didn't have a listing. Or what I would do sometimes is pick a listing that was either just sold or just listed, even if it wasn't for my company. And I would either promote the just listed or promote the just sold. And that was it, man. Obviously, as time went on, I got better. Some people who are kind of interested are going to ask you more questions and you'll keep the conversation flowing more. But that's the basic nuts and bolts. Now, if somebody mentions something, how's the market? What do you think my home is worth? Then you can engage in a dialogue. And what I learned after a couple months was getting very good at getting people's information. And I think um, when you door knock or cold call, the best thing to do is focus on, yeah, you want leads, but even if they're not a lead, capture their information so you can send them emails, send them text messages, and then call them for months in a while. And you can also retarget them on social media, right? Like Facebook and Instagram. That's what you want to do. So you can start positioning yourself and building the short term, which is the actual activity, but also building it long term. And I think if you can do that, uh, you can really bridge together uh, both because I think most agents are too short term. I need a deal today. You're going to get it. But what are you doing about building a system and a business so you get deals 30 days from now, 90 days from now, you know, 180 days from now? Because that's ultimately where the growth is and where you're really going to explode. If you're too focused on today, uh, you're not going to get anywhere. It's going to take a long time and then you're going to be stuck on the grind because you're not building anything long term. Wow. Wow. I really like that. And you, and you said focus on getting people's information. So that was your objective when you go door knock or cold call is to get some yeah. their information. And to get that, do you give value? Is that the easiest way to, to kind of approach that? Or are you kind of gauge to see, hey, there might be some interest. We had a good conversation. They asked a lot of questions. I asked them about their information. How do you go about approaching that? It's morphs, man. You know, in the beginning, um, I think when somebody's not really that confident, um, it, it's a little tricky. The biggest thing that I learned is regardless of what you say, you have to be assumptive when it comes to getting somebody's information. And I think a lot of times when agents deliver, like my script, I didn't give a perfect delivery of it, but you can tell I know it. I just rifled it off like no problem. So same thing when I get somebody's information. The key question is, 
when it comes time, look, I know you guys don't want to sell. Let's say they say they don't want to sell. But when it comes time to do something in the future, do you have a go-to person? Right? And for people who don't know anything about NLP, when I said, do you have a go-to person? I pointed to myself really quick. That's called an anchor. Right? But I'm not going to get into that. Right? Most people are going to say, I have a cousin. I have a friend. I know somebody. But they don't have a go-to person. Okay? Now, if they don't, this is just an easy line anybody can use. Great. I'd love to be your go-to agent. Why don't we do this? Why don't we exchange information and stay in touch? Now, at this point, I pull out my business card and I say, do you have a business card? While well, I hand them mine. A lot of people, you'd be surprised. They're like, oh yeah, I have a business card. Hold on. They'll run inside and get it and give it to you. If they don't, give them your business card and say, you know what? No worries. Here we go. I'll text you my number so you have it. That's when you pull out your phone, you look down and whatever area code you're in, start it. So for me, it was 626. I say, so the number is 626, and I'm looking at my phone. Nine times out of 10, they'll finish the number for you. That's simple, man. The key with that, though, it's not fancy words. I'm being assumptive, and it's the delivery. I'm not, oh, would it be okay if I get your number? No, 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 no. It's, let's exchange information. So I'm being assumptive. You have to lead in this business more than anything, especially for the younger crowd. If you have a younger crowd following you, it's going to be even more important. And guess what? The older crowd is going to respect it more when you're a boss like that. Okay. Cause they may be looking at you like they looked at me saying, Oh, this young punk, what does he know about real estate? But when you move with confidence, when you move with certainty, people will respond. However, that line that I gave you and the me being so relaxed saying it, cause I've said it 10 million times. I've done it in person 10 million times. I've put in my work to get to this position. So I don't sweat or second guess it. I just say, Hey, let's exchange information. If they say no, I say, you know what? I appreciate that. You probably don't want to get spammed, right? They say, yes, great. So let's exchange information. And the moment I spam you or you think I send you one too many emails, let me know and I'll take you off the list. Fair? And that, rec that recovery works nine out of 10 times. Okay. Um, but again, that's just one way of doing it, dude. I have a hundred ways of getting their information, but that to me is the most simple in a nutshell style that anybody can use that if you practice it over and over, you're going to be getting phone numbers and emails like that. That's powerful. That's powerful, Brian. And if, if we move on, so we, we go from there and then let's touch a little bit on, on cold calling. Um, cause I feel like you said right now we're in a position where we can't really go about knocking on people's door. So cold, cold calling is probably uh, an, an efficient way to prospect as well. Uh, and you mentioned you start by picking out an area that you want to sell in. So it could be where you live in. It could be a luxury neighborhood. It could be an area that you grew up in that you're familiar with, right? It could just, you decide what area you want to, you want to pick and you stick with it. Uh, in terms of getting the number to cold call, uh, do you have like a phone book that you go through, like a system that you use and the dollar as well? Do you, do you have? There's a lot you can do, man, in the beginning, cause I didn't have the money. I mean, I don't know if you can do this. I think at this point you can't do it anymore, at least here in California. My title reps used to get me lists of numbers. Um, that they would pull from the records. And I would, back at that time, when I didn't have any money, I would have to hand dial. But what I did was the booth next to me, the girl, uh, she was never really there. So I ended up pulling up her phone onto the top of the cubicle and I had two phones going and I would dial one and I would dial the number on the next one and not dial the last number until I hung up here. Then I would dial the last number, it would ring and I would start dialing this number. That way I could call with both. But it was real old school, man. I don't know if you can still do that. So nowadays, uh, because we have obviously cash flow coming in, we subscribe to things such as Land Voice. Uh, we're also with Coal Realty Resource. Coal Realty Resource 
they give you numbers like cell phones, they give you absentee owners, uh, neighborhood numbers, uh, land voice, you can get like expireds and for sale by owners and that kind of stuff. Vulcan 7, we get as well for the expired because they're very accurate and they can get you emails sometimes. Uh, for a dialer and an organizational system that I think is the best dialer slash mini CRM is Mojo Dialer, right? Uh, Mojo has been great. The first check I got, I invested in Mojo and I've been getting charged for Mojo ever since because it's so good. You can take notes, set up reminders, organize your leads by folders, have load in all your numbers through Excel, you know, to populate them and call them. It's a web-based dialer. If somebody's watching this and doesn't know, it's really good. But um, in the beginning, I would get those numbers, man. And a lot of times I would sit there and call so much, I'd blast through all those numbers. So I would just stick to door knocking until I got another list. And that's just how I had to do it in the beginning. If that's not an option for you guys and you, for whatever reason, cannot get numbers, start with people that you know. If you're brand new, create a, compile a list of every single person you know and put them in your database and call them. Um, and then when you can, get out there and door knock. You know, we can't right now, but this isn't going to last forever. Um, and that, that's the best way to do it. It's that sweat equity, like they say, you got to put in the work. But I can tell you that my personal growth as a human being between cold calling and door knocking has been one of the most eye-opening experiences for my uh, self-development and one of the most powerful things I've ever done. It sucks in the moment when you do it, you get tired, you get rejected, but the long-term payoff of it is uh, priceless for sure. Wow. That's putting in the work, as they say, putting in the work, building the sweat equity. And, and for a cold calling, I assume your script will be kind of similar to door knocking, you know, just very similar, man. Um, you know, obviously it's going to depend on the lead that you're calling, but that general one, I would say, but you know, sometimes I change it on the cold calls and say, Hey, I'm giving everybody in the neighborhood a quick market update. Um, we've had 56 homes sell in your area in the last 30 days. Did you know that? Yeah. Pretty exciting news, isn't it? And then boom, I get right into the script. So, you know, have you guys considered taking advantage of the market? No. Great. How long have you lived there? Where'd you move from? What brought you to this area? If you guys were to move, where would you go next? Oh, by the way, in the future, would you prefer that I give you a call and give you an update? Or would you rather me just send you an email? Mm. That's a great option. If they say, call me, you just got permission to get their number. If you don't have their cell phone number, ask for it. They say, email, great. What's your best email? Awesome. This number I'm calling you on, is this your cell? Cool. What's your cell? I'll shoot you a quick text. Get their information. Boom. Now they're in my database. You cold called them. So you already have their name and their address. Now you just got the cell phone and the email. That's being tactical in the beginning to get the lead, but also thinking long-term, right? I learned that the hard way. My first month or two, I wasn't building my database. I was just gung-ho, sell, 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 sell. But I learned that very quickly. So if you can do both, like I said earlier, you'll do very well. And the reason I'm giving you simple scripts, man, is so people actually do it. Because if I start rifling off advanced language, they're gonna be like, oh, I don't get that. I need to study first before I call. No, no, no. If you're scared to death and you don't know even have a script, start cold calling. You're not gonna lose anything. You're just gonna get better. I had no freaking clue what I was doing. When I made my first cold call, dude, I was sweating. My palms were sweaty. My heart was like, doo, 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 doo. then after two or three calls, I was like, man, this isn't even as bad as I thought it was going to be. This is actually easy, right? I just need to get better. And after that, dude, it, it, it was no problem. I didn't have any fear, but you got to do it. You know, you got to do it and you'll learn. You'll learn as time goes. There's no magical script. There's no, you know, fast track. You just got to put in the sweat equity, like I said. And once you got all the database, how did you go about organizing them from, from that? Like, what was your thought process? Like, did you give a call like every quarter and then you send out an email every, every month or kind of how did you formulate the, the process to keep top of mind? After yeah, you that, 
That's a great question, man. You know, the, the way that I learned it was the first thing you need to do to create your follow-up system and your database is you need to have your definition of what a lead is. So what is it? So it's going to be different for everybody. Now, for me and my team, it's someone who's going to buy or sell real estate in 30 days or less. Back wow. then for me, it was 90 days, 120 days. I think when I first started it, a lead for me was anybody who was six months to today, right? Because then from there, you build the system. So I'll just kind of give you some highlights of my current system. The follow-up system, we have three categories. We have an appointment folder and category for people who we've set an appointment with. We have the hot lead folder, which is somebody who is seven days or less away from setting up an appointment with us. Those leads we look at every day that we work. Then we have the warm lead folder, which is more than seven days out, but 30 days or less. We look at those leads once a week and we update them, call them, right, text them, right? We have like a log there where we track. Um, anything from 31 days to a year out, somebody who's going to sell or buy, and they're now in our first group. We have three groups in our database, group one, group two, group three. Group three, the farthest one is just people with emails. They just get emails from us because they're incomplete. We just have an email. Group one are past clients, people that know us on a first name basis, very close relationships, uh, business partners that we have, right? Vendors, also people that we've met uh, through marketing efforts that own businesses that are, you know, higher, higher type clientele, we can say. That's our number one team. They get one phone call and one text message per month and one email a week, okay? The second team is people that we've met at open houses, uh, people that we've met through cold calling and door knocking that we've added to the database and anybody who doesn't fit into the first category, but we have complete information for. Cell phone, name, email, physical address. Those are the four. That group gets a phone call and text every uh, quarter, and they get one email a week. Additionally, everybody in our database, team one and two, gets one branded team mailer per month. Now, if you don't have the budget for mailers, don't do it. We do, and it's the same little generic postcard just to brand ourselves in their mind. That's our system, man. You know, it's pretty simple. I like that. Keep it simple and short. <laughs> and in terms of drafting up the email, like you would give a market update, you would kind of give a rundown of what's going on in the neighborhood, things like that. Yeah. One testimonial a month, video picture, uh, one educational video minimum a month. Sometimes we do more. Like right now we're doing two emails a week because we're doing more educational stuff. So testimonial, video picture, educational one, market update, and then a featured listing email. So once a month we feature one of the listings we've got that month as the best one and we just rotate like that. So testimonial, education, market update, featured listing, and we just rotate. So on like a Wednesday, for example, you just, the emails will all go out to, to all of your clients. Yeah, and, and you know, if you're watching this saying, oh, I don't have a featured listing, I don't have that, look, just keep it generic. If you want to just feature one of the best listings that you've seen go up, you know, in the area that you wanna sell and do that, right? You can totally do it. You, you're, we're not, I have to say, hey, this listing we do just, hey, this is a featured listing. We think we wanted to highlight because it's a great property. And you can even tag in your email. Who do you know who may be interested? And you might get leads that way, right? You don't have to take credit for it, but you can jump onto this uh, scheme of what we're doing. We can say this system because it's very simple and it's effective. And do you use MailChimp or I guess do you have an email system in place? Yeah, I think we used to use Constant Contact. Now that we're with eXp, we use the KV Core system. Um, but I think recently we got MailChimp and we're using that. Um, but you know, the backend is being run by Loida who's on my team and uh, our assistant. So I don't know all the little details, but if you're writing up something later and you want me to give you the exact one, just message me, dude, and I'll tell you. Cool. Appreciate it. 
And Brian, I, I want to touch on from, from there on, we give people the gist of, of really how to kill it and to build a foundation. Uh, I want to talk about building a brand because you mentioned when you first started, you know, there wasn't a lot of content on, on the topic. And nowadays, you know, as a, as a, as a newer agent, right. If we, if we look up to you or like, Oh, like I want to create my own YouTube channel too, but it's, it's in a more saturated market. For example, like you were saying, there's a lot of content pieces to fill all the little niches and stuff. So from your point of view, like how can a real estate agent, like what is their avenue of building a brand in 2020? And there's so much, dude, that I can talk about on this subject. First thing you have to realize is this, if you want to make a brand, um, you have to realize that the majority of people out there, and I'm not saying this is an insult. This is just the reality. Most people's brands are very weak and they're just doing it for attention. Okay. I know a lot of people doing that just for attention, whether it's video posts on Instagram, sheerly for attention. So that already gives you an advantage. Okay. Number two is you have to decide what you as an individual, what you as a brand, what you as a business stands for and everything about your posts, your videos, your pictures has to screen that. Okay. That is one of the biggest differentiating factors between me and everybody else. As an example, I pride and a core value to me is freedom of expression as a business regardless if people think it's politically correct or not. And anybody who follows me knows that because I'm a lot more rough around the edges than other people. But also that's one of my unique value propositions because as an example, a lot of people who crave to be more out of the box, look at me and they look up to me because they like the fact that I don't care what other people think and I'll speak my mind. That's one thing, right? Number two, complete honesty and transparency. I've voiced a lot of mistakes I've made in the past and a lot of my personal flaws over the years because I'm okay doing it. Whereas a person who wants to be squeaky clean and have that perfect image, they're not going to do that. Okay. Those are just two examples. Also my lifestyle. I love cars as an example, right? My cats, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very uh, lighthearted day to day, right? I laugh a lot. I joke a lot. So I'm not so tightly bound and serious. I portray that in my videos too. So everything about me comes out. And that's where people have the biggest mistake when it comes to this is if you stand for something, people have to know it. Nowadays, everybody wants to play it safe so that everybody likes them. But deep down inside, we know that person isn't that way versus me. When people meet me, they're like, dude, I knew you would be the same as you are in your pictures and your videos because I am. Nothing changes about me. It's not like the camera goes on and I tighten up like, hello, my name is Brian. We're going to do a video today. Like that would be goofy if I did that. Right. So I try to make it as comfortable as possible. Um, also. What, what is going to be your focus? Mine has shifted over the years, but initially it was just document what I'm doing in my life as a young professional and letting the world see it. Obviously it's morphed now into, you know, teaching and doing those kinds of things, but that happened over time. You have to know what you're going to focus on. You just want to be the person who puts a comedic spin on whatever it is that you're doing. Do you want to be the educator? Do you want to be the person who uh, just does vlogs and does day in the life type material? You have to kind of pick something so you have a direction and people know what they're going to branch you know, onto. Because when somebody goes to follow you or, or understand your brand, they have to be able to look at what you're doing and very quickly figure out what it is that you do and what you represent. If they can't do that, then they're going to be moving on to the next person. So by me putting these key things out, we can say three or four things. It's very easy for somebody to latch on to one of them and say, oh, I love Brian because of this. Or... It polarizes. Oh, I hate him because of that. And that's what I want. I only want people riding with me that are, are, are down for me. And I think that's what all brands need to do because everybody's not going to love your brand. 
I'm okay with somebody saying, I don't like BC. Cool. There's plenty of other people for you. But I want that line of, I like him and I don't like him. Because that is ultimately what creates a more powerful brand. And a lot of people, again, play it too safe. So everyone's like, eh, that brand's okay. I don't like that. I want, I love the brand or I hate the brand. That's what I want. Because ultimately, when you build a foundation on that, then you can springboard to doing a bunch of other stuff. And it makes you that much more credible, better, and more effective. Because now, if you want to sell something, you want to be a force in the marketplace or anything else, you have something to stand on because you have people who are like, yeah, this person's really good. You have people cheering for you. And most of all, you have people supporting you, which is what you need. People will buy and sell real estate with me and my team. People will buy and sell my products. People will buy and sell my coaching. People will buy and sell my speaking gigs as I've been doing nationally and internationally because of everything I just told you, man. So I think it's really um, about finding out again what you stand for and letting that shine and not being worried about the consequences because that's where people hold back. That's powerful. And if we, if we were to dial it down in terms of content creation, again, there, there's so many different social media platforms, so many types of content that people can put out and they, they start tripping. They're like, Oh, like what, where do I, like, what do I even create? Like, what is your take on, on content creation so you can be consistent with it? Cause I think that's, that's what you've been able to do is consistently be able to put out content throughout all the different channels and that keeps you top of mind. Well, it's been fun, man. You know, like that's the first thing is you got to have fun with what you're doing, right? If like you're picking something that is boring to you and you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Um, you know, when I look at the beginning, I'm trying to think back a lot of it. In the beginning was me just checking in with people and telling you, Hey, you know, that this is, this is a typical day for me. I'm a brand new real estate agent. This is what I'm doing. I'm going door to door. I'm making calls. It was almost like a video diary, if that makes sense in the beginning, because I, I didn't know how to do content. I just knew that I wanted to do content. Uh, the second step for me was as I was learning, I wanted to share it with people, not to teach them, but to just share what I was doing. So what I was doing was once or twice a week, a book that I was reading or that I just finished reading, I would talk about it. Hey, I just read this book. It was incredible. And I remember it taught me this technique in sales. So the next day when I was on a call, I had an opportunity to use that technique and it worked really well. Right. So kind of like that. Right. Um, it didn't morph until what I'm doing now until about three years later, because the first two or three years now was just me blogging, telling people what I'm doing, showing off some of my goals. Hey, these are my goals. This is what I want to do. So it was literally just like a video diary almost in the beginning showing listings. I mean, it was a mess like in the beginning for me, bad quality. You know, I, I, I didn't know that you could film like this landscape. So I was filming everything like that and it had the black bars and I'd be sitting there like, how do I get rid of these damn black bars? And somebody told me, dude, just turn your phone over. I was like, are you serious? That's what you have to do. I did that for like two months, bro. I had no idea The people will laugh at me, but if anything, it's a testament that sometimes you don't have to be the most polished, but it's about, like you said, being the most consistent. And that's been the most important thing. So if you have to sit once a week with your notebook and, and say, hey, what kind of videos do I want to make? Do I want to make educational videos for the public? Sure. Do I want to feature areas in my city and in my neighborhoods and in my state or my county? If I'm a realtor, great. Do a little segment, a two or three minute segment highlighting the best parts of certain suburbs and cities. You would think that a lot of people have done that. They haven't, especially in the real estate space. Um, you know, do you want to educate other people on certain topics? Do you want to share uh, some of the stuff that you're doing as far as your rituals and, and schedule and that kind of stuff? I mean, it's infinite, man. I just think you have to pick something, sit down, and then experiment with it. Because that's what I did. You know, there's no perfect formula, dude. 
you just have to start putting out videos and as you do it you're going to get better just like calling and door knocking you know yeah and and to be consistent to where you put out content like twice a week once a week every day like what, what did that right now i would do every day right every day. you know back then um you know, I was doing it once or twice a week. And then I started ramping up a couple of years ago. I said, okay, I'm basically going to do, I'm going to be present on all the platforms virtually every day. YouTube, I'm doing like four or five videos a week. Facebook live, I'm doing two or three a week. Instagram lives, I'm still doing probably three, four or five a week. Instagram posts daily, stories daily, YouTube stories daily, Facebook stories daily, Facebook posts daily. And it's not that time consuming. That, that, that's the thing is you have to schedule it in. You know, so if you have to schedule an hour in your schedule to create content, have it ready to post, then by all means do that. That's the best way to make it a priority and actually start doing it. But the more, the more, the better. That's kind of my take on it. You know, the more, the better. Got it. Got it. And is there like, like a social media channel that, that you find that you get more engagement on, or do you think it's pretty equal across platform, but you just have to be really authentic and you, and that's what people like. Yeah, you know, it, it fluctuates, you know, like right now, all my older videos are getting a ton of views on YouTube, like 500, 1,000, 2,000 a day, but my newer content gets like 1,000 or 2,000 views in the first day or two, which is ridiculous. But the algorithm, if people didn't know, for a lot of these social media platforms virtually changes like every day, right? Um, I am noticing now that a lot of the platforms, especially YouTube, is being very corporate now, uh, and they censor a lot. So if you're somebody who's more like me, it may be a little bit more difficult for you to get discovered because you're in quotes controversial. You use foul language and that kind of stuff. So it's something to keep in mind. Um, but it, it just fluctuates, man. Sometimes my Facebook, like a Facebook stories are getting thousands of views. Sometimes they only get 200 views. So I think it's really about paying attention to some of those analytics. And then wherever you're getting more views, put more time and effort into that. And as you see it change and fluctuate, then you can shift. If you're getting more attention on Facebook, step it up a little bit. If your YouTube is starting to take off, focus on that a little bit. If your Instagram is starting to get more views and likes and follows, focus a little bit on that. It's going to be a constant like wave. You just have to be flexible enough to see. That's powerful. That's powerful, Brian. And on that note too, um, in terms of mindset, because like stats show that, you know, a lot of realtors don't make it in first year, second year, third year, like there, it's a lot of people quit. So how do you keep yourself going when you were first starting, when you haven't seen any success? How, how, what was your mindset back then? What's the other option, right? That's the question I posed to myself. What's the other option? I quit and then everybody else is right. And I have to live a mediocre life getting a job, which I'm just not willing to do. That was the decision I made when I started. And you know, I don't know if your show is rated R or PG-13, but there was a lot of curse words coming out. Um, but it was no, right? I had, in a, we can say in a sense, I had kind of a chip on my shoulder because I did want to prove people wrong. I'm not saying that's the highest state you should be in, right? I think you need to have more purpose in just proving people wrong because when you run out of people to prove wrong, then what are you going to do, right? But, you know, I remember like, I've always been the type of person that if you doubt me, I'm going to prove you wrong 10 times over. I was doubted that I would ever, uh, you know, do well in basketball. I played professionally. I was doubted that I would do well in real estate. Look at me. I was doubted I would do good on social media. Well, look what I'm doing. I was told I would never own like a Lambo. I had one for three years and then I sold it. So that, that's what I do. And I, I, I enjoy that. So when I got in and me as an individual, this is one of the values I stand for is when I say I'm going to do something, I do it period. And if it becomes increasingly difficult, good. 
I'm still going to do it. And if it gets harder and harder, I'm still going to do it. So with me, it was, there's no other choice. People give themselves, they'll be like, you know what, John, I'm going to do real estate, but I have a plan B. That tells me they're already ready to fail. They're not going to go hard because they've already planned the failure in my mind. Now, is that correct? Because I know other people have different philosophies. I don't know, but it works for me. And I know that when that's the case, just like Anthony Robbins says, burn the boats, you're going to go all in, dude. And when you go all in, you're part of that like 0.5% of people that actually do it. So the odds are actually playing in your favor because it's very difficult to stop somebody who's all in like that, right? I've even had some clients that I think see that in me and they just go with me because of that. They're just like, dude, this guy is just like, he's on it. He may not be like the most experienced, but dang, he's going to fight for us. He's going to do whatever it takes. And that's the type of person I want because they'll figure it out, you know? So everybody's going to go through emotional ups and downs, man. That's, that's the human state, right? We're never like this. How boring would life be if we were always like this, you know? And, and I tell people, if you've ever experienced success, the high of enthusiasm, the high of being happy, the only reason you, you have a reality on what that is, is because the opposite pole exists of extreme sadness and depression, okay? With that, we can't have one without the other. So you have to understand that. So when you do go to a low, which we all have, I mean, I was in tears multiple times my first year because of the pressure. But I knew, hey, you know, the, the sunshine is, is going to be on the other side. The sun will come up. We're in the dark now, but it will come up eventually. You have to know that you're, you're not there just for the day. This is a long-term game, like I said earlier. And when you have no other option, when you say you're going to do it and you do it, and you don't have an expiration date on your efforts, saying, like, oh, I'm just going to give this a shot for three months, six months. That's the question I ask people to do as a test. How long are you willing to fail before you give up? And if somebody tells me, well, I'm going to try it for two months, I'm like, okay, they're already going to fail. I want to hear the answer. I'm going to go until it turns and I start making money. Oh, okay. Here's somebody who's dedicated and who has the right mindset because it's different for everybody. Some people get success right away. Some people, it takes a long time. Hell, I've spoken with most of the guys from Million Dollar Listing on stage like multiple times now, and all of them said their first year or two was bad. They didn't even do good. And now look at them. They're fucking TV stars. So I, I really, the way I answer that question is just, what's, what's the other option? You know, what's the other option? If you really want it, you'll figure it out, period. You know, and that, there was never another option for me, man. So it was make it or make it. That's it. And, and you mentioned earlier um, on this path of entrepreneurship, it could get quite lonely at times. How do you, how do you cope with that? Because you're, you're, you're just, it's just you and you and you, that's it. Yeah. This is what happens, man. Right. You start here. I'm going to use these little floss things as an example. <laughs> you have two, two levels, right? This is you, your current situation, your current uh, friends and group. Okay. You want to evolve to this income, this state of mind, this expertise, this lifestyle, okay? In order for you to get from here to here, you have to first remove this and shed all of the stuff that doesn't belong with this one to then move up. So in that process, you will be lonely. You'll have a group, you'll do better, you'll start to distance, distance yourself from them because of what you're going through. As you start leveling up and getting better, they're gone, you start attracting the new people. That's how it goes. So there is a temporary phase of being lonely. And I can tell you now, my best relationships and friendships and business partnerships have gone through that. I got rid of the old and came in with the new. But first, before you get the new, you have to get rid of the old. And that process that you just described is temporary. You temporarily will be lonely. And that's fine. I'd rather be alone and be in good company 
than be in bad company with multiple people. That's my saying. And what's, what's the story behind the Lambo? Uh, getting it or selling it? Both. <laughs> always wanted one, man. I was told when I was a kid, I remember distinctly by somebody, I think when I was like five or six, that I never owned one. And immediately my mind was like, why not? You know, like I, I didn't understand that. So growing up, that was always one of my things. Eh, one, one of these days I want to get a Lambo. And when I got into real estate, is when I set the date. I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I got a GTR. I sold it. And then I got the Lambo. So it was always on my wall. It was always on my mind. Um, and it was just one of those trophies. Like, yes, I did it. You know, now selling it, uh, after having it three years and all the back problems that I've gotten from it, cause I'm too tall. <laughs> I just said, Hey man, it's time to sell it. It's a great car. I personally more of a, you know, old school JDM type fan. Like I have a Supra, right. I'm, you know, I'm buying a Skyline pretty soon. So I like that type of car more, the tuner cars. I collect those and I prefer to keep those. Um, but that, that, Lamborghini to me more than anything was just a huge accomplishment, right? A, a huge, we can say almost middle finger to all the people who ever doubted me because I knew they were just upset when I got it, right? And all the rumors, oh, you're renting it. Oh, you did this, you did that. I was like, dude, I've had the car for three years. Really? You think I'm renting it? Like, give me a break, man. So now <laughs> I got the Porsche, right? I always wanted a Porsche too. And now I have it. I have a GT3 RS, which is super fun and I'm going to track it. Um, but cars have always been a very big interest of mine and kind of like a passion because I've met a lot of good people through, uh, through that community. I've had a lot of fun with cars and, and there's just something cool to me. I believe in cars, right? I don't wrench my own cars and I don't work on them, but I just admire vehicles for what they do, how they sound, how they operate. And it's just really fascinating to me. So I knew as part of the lifestyle of being in real estate and doing what I'm doing, it would give me more opportunity and time to spend with my cars and go out on a cruise if I want. I've done a lot of rallies, right? I did two rallies with the Lambo. Um, there were multiple thousand miles each, you know? So, I mean, uh, that, sh that to me is just fun. And I think everybody has one, two or three activities that they really enjoy. And that just happens to be one of mine. And having the vision there, it, how important was that for you to have a vis vision of what you wanted to have in your life and, and seeing that every day? Did that empower you? Huge, man. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. And what you, what you focus on expands, right? And my focus was always journaling and that stuff, seeing it. I had visuals. I activated all my senses. I was always watching GTR and Lamborghini videos and listening to them. I was having dreams of already owning it and waking up and like going to the garage and saying, oh, shit, I thought I had it already, you know, because I obsessed about it, right? And if you keep your attention on those things, you're going to get them. It's just people get too easily distracted. Or what's happening now is someone who doesn't have a Lamborghini has no money, and it's very almost negative. We'll say, oh, having a Lamborghini isn't a big deal. Everybody has one. I'm like, okay, who do you know personally who has a Lamborghini? And they'll, they'll name like two YouTubers. I'm like, no, no, those are YouTubers. I'm talking about people you know or that you've seen on the street. And it's always crickets. So it's almost been like a desensitizing with social media because you can just type Bugatti on YouTube and you'll get a million videos of a Bugatti. So and now in your mind, you think it's normal for people to have a Bugatti when it's not. That's a $1.2 million car on the bottom end. I don't know anybody with a Bugatti, do you, right? But now we think it's a normal thing. I would get messages, dude. Dude, why'd you get a Lambo? Everybody has one. I'm like, what? Everybody has a Lamborghini, dude? Like I'm driving it around like, wait, does everybody have one? Like I'm looking around for the other ones. Like what's going on here? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a two-way street with all this social media stuff too. It's been very beneficial, but I can see how it hurts some people. Um, but it, that's basically the story with the cars, man. It's, it's been fun and 
it's one of those things that it's easy for me to keep in my vision because I really enjoy it. And I, I want that lifestyle. I want those things. So for me to do a vision board or think about it or watch videos is very easy and natural because that's what I want. And I think the biggest issue that people have when they set those goals and, and they want to envision something is they're envisioning what other people told them to envision instead of looking at themselves and saying, what do I want? And then picking it, mm -hmm. right? Because then that comes out very organically. If you're asking yourself, what do I want? You're going to find the answer. But people are too plugged into other people. Like they'll worship a certain celebrity. They're like, oh, I want his car. I want his cat. I want his house. It's like, no, that's his life. If you enjoy those things, cool. But what do you want? Because ultimately, when you work for your, what you want, it becomes easy. I think a lot of people burn out or they don't feel motivated by their goals because their goals aren't theirs. They're someone else's goals that they think are their goals. Wow, that's that's really powerful, Brian. And and lastly, before we wrap it up here, uh, how can how can a young individual, you know, in their in their mid twenties, how how can they build a powerful network? Because I, I think you've been able to really establish yourself, and you've been able to connect with a lot of high influential people. But you know, as a younger person, like, how do you go about doing that? What's what's your take on that? But one way is this, right? Uh, anybody who's ever asked me to do a podcast, whether it's the number 10 million podcast or the number one podcast, I do it with them, right? Because this is cool. This is an easy way for you to connect with people. And um, it doesn't cost you any money, just a little bit of time. That's one way. Number two is whatever it is that you do, like if you decide to do a, a mobile detailing business or be a realtor or sell stuff online, do whatever it takes to get very good at that. Because when you get good, like in real estate, if you become a very good communicator and you get good at the job of real estate, you're naturally going to attract opportunities and people from that because of your expertise and dedication to your craft, which is how I did it. And then when I started putting videos out and people started listening to me, that's when better role play partners came, opportunities to speak and connect with people because the older generation to that individual, right, whether they're my age, like 34, 35, 45, 50, we appreciate when we see somebody hustling and who's dedicated to their craft. I remember so many times, man, I met great people going door to door who were like, man, you remind me of me 20 years ago when I was going door to door to build my business and I would get their information and we're still in touch to this day. So a lot of times it's the action and dedication to your craft that does attract those people, right? Uh, another thing is just like this, but also on the side of you creating content, uh, collaborating. Collaborations are big nowadays, man. Um, some of my biggest growth and best relationships have come from collaboration. And when you're doing all three of these, you're coming from a place of contribution and you're not give me, give me, give me. That's what I like, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if someone asks me to get a cup of coffee with them, I tell them no. But if somebody asks me to do this, a podcast, I do it because it shows me that you're dedicated, you're hustling and you're, you're doing your thing versus going to coffee with somebody. It's like, dude, yeah, for you, that's great. But for me, I'm spending 30 minutes or an hour with you. Do you know how much my time is worth? What am I getting in exchange for meeting with you? Oh, well, you should just do it. Um, no, that's entitlement. I'm not going to do that, right? So I tell people, you want to go out for coffee? I'm like, no, I don't do that. And some people get mad. That's the era that we live in. Wow. I knew six, seven years ago when I started, I didn't even think about asking that question to people, right? I said, okay, I need to prove myself first before I ask this person out to lunch, you know? Now everyone, I see people spamming comments, Hey, I'm 17. I'm looking for anybody to connect with who's going to help me. It's like, that's cool. But what are you doing outside of that? Are you showing up in person? You know, I, I've had how many offices now Two. I've only had two people ever show up in person, ask like, 
hey man, can I work for you? Or can you help me? Now every time, because the person came in person, yeah, I sat down with them and talked to them for 30 minutes or an hour because I know it's not easy to make that effort. So I appreciate that. Now, are they working for me? No, but at least I had a conversation with them and I could help them with whatever they were doing. But emails, I get fucking 100 emails a day, dude, from people. And a lot of them are the same emails copied and pasted over and over. And I have a trail of them and I laugh. And I'm like, this person is probably sitting at home saying, I can't wait for them to respond, you know? So, um, you know, there's just so much that can be said about it, dude. But growing now, your network, I think, is easier than it's ever been. It just requires you to genuinely hit people up, contact them, do things like this, because we appreciate this, because you're starting a podcast and doing your own thing. That's what we want to see. We don't want to just talk to you. We want to see you take the action and do it like you're doing. So this for us is natural and we'll do it because this is what we like. This is what we're pushing. We're passing the torch to you guys to continue this on and for you to pass it to the next person. So it's, it's about more than just us. I just think people are going about it nowadays, most of them the wrong way. Just they want to click now, 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 now. Fast results, instant. That's amazing. And what's next for BC? What's next for Brian? Um, well, we're in the works right now. I'm talking to two or three people uh, nationwide. I'm going to start expanding my team uh, to different cities. Talking East Coast, Florida, uh, maybe Northwest, Pacific Northwest here in the United States. That's probably going to be within the next couple months. Um, other than that, man, we're launching and we're like on our second episode of the reality show that I'm starting, right, that I'm doing. I'm posting that on my YouTube. And other than that, man, it's just everything else. I'm just looking to exponentially grow, right? I'm buying more property. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really focusing on, on growing my team and really getting their production up. And the next thing that I want to do within the next probably two or three years is I want to open up a, a bar, right? One of my clients, he's in the alcohol industry. He sells different uh, brands of alcohol. And I'm looking at maybe partnering up with him and opening up like, uh, I want to start opening up like bars uh, and, and things of that nature. Cause that's always been an interest of mine. And I definitely want to do that within the next couple of years for sure. That's amazing, Brian. So many plans in the works and you're just constantly expanding. And it's, it's amazing to, to see your humble beginnings and, and where you came from. And, and I feel like if people really do hone in and, and listen to, you know, your story of how you started and the mindset that it took for you to get to where you are today, people realize that, that you're just, you're just like, you're just a normal person too at the end of the day. And if you can do it, then they can do it too. But it does take the, a lot of work. Like it, it wasn't easy for you too. And you've had your moments as well. And, and it's just the process. I'm a normal person who learned not to think like a normal person. That's the key. Normal people can understand that. I'm a normal person who okay. once thought like a normal person, but who simply upgraded their thinking. And when my thinking got upgraded, which is mindset, we can say, but it's a simpler word, thinking, then that's what changed everything. Because I started thinking new ideas, new approaches, and then making those changes that I needed to make, which then manifested into the ideas, the thoughts, and the actions. And, and, and that's, that's the end of it. Everything started from there. So we need to be around people who think better. We need to ourselves think better and stronger. And that's ultimately what's going to lead to getting you to the right place. Now, how do you do that? You get around better people. If you admire somebody, get on the program, read, you know, whatever the best books are that you need to read. That's how you start getting references to start thinking at a higher level. Because when I look in the mirror, I don't just see a regular person. Mm. Right? I see this mythical creature who's capable of doing whatever he wants. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you can't do that. Why not? I can think however I want. And if I think that way and it makes me more effective, why would I not think that way? That doesn't harm anybody. 
That's powerful. We've been told we're only supposed to think a certain way. So that's all I did, man. You just start to think differently and you get different results. That's amazing. I like that. You're not up to thinking. That's the key. The mindset. Perfect. And Brian, how can people reach you? Where can people find you? Brian Casella on Google. I'm very Googleable. That's a new word that I uh, invented. Googleable. <laughs> Love it. So everything will pop up all your social media channels, everything, YouTube. Yeah, it's simple too. Like if you do at Brian Casella on Instagram and like I think Twitter, like it's all the same. I did that on purpose just so it'd be easy to find. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Brian. Really appreciate it. Um, your time and, and being uh, on the podcast today. And again, I'm a huge fan and uh, just full of gratitude from what you've been able to, to accomplish. And even myself, like I'm going into, this is my second year renewal and the business is coming up. Nice. Um, and uh, last year I've been, been fortunate enough to, to do around 10 deals. So Sweet. just by grinding it out and, and taking your nuggets and, and, and applying them. So thank you so much, Brian, for all that. Hey man, keep up the hustle, bro. This podcast can be big very quickly, dude. So keep it up. Thank you so much, Brian. Okay. You have a great day. You too, brother. See ya. Bye.